Well, I'm excited to introduce Phil Ashey, uh, who will be our preacher today. Phil is, uh, has a longtime connection with Holy Cross, and he's become a friend being down here in Atlanta together. Um, so we're excited to have Phil come and preach this morning. So let me pray for him and pray for us. So Heavenly Father, we ask that you would empower your servant to speak your word to your people, that we would hear your word, it would bear fruit in our lives, all to your honor and glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you, Dean Michael, for the wonderful invitation to come and be here with this great cathedral and uh, Holy Cross family. It's a joy to be here, and Carol and Julie are with me here today, and uh, we're all very delighted uh, to renew our fellowship with you. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about the passage we read in Exodus about Moses. And I'll begin by just saying that 19 years ago, in 2000, I suffered a massive failure in ministry. I faced a conflict in the church I was leading that was so apocalyptic, I literally had to leave. And truth be told, I aggravated that conflict by my own pride leadership style and missteps. I left without a church to go to, without a call, and with the odor of failure hanging over me. No bishop wanted to touch me. Uh, no church had a place for me. I had to move Julie and the kids back to Virginia where we had friends and familiarity. And also the possibility to those friends of finding a job back in the law uh, where I had begun before going into the ministry. Which was the only place I figured I could land safely. After almost 15 years in full-time parish ministry, I was ready to give up and leave it all behind. And for months, I was in a desert of doubt about myself, my future, my ability to discern God's leading, and about the church and the people in it. Now maybe some of you have had a similar kind of experience, a, a failure, a misstep, a, a disqualification that leads to a downsizing or a loss that has left you in a desert of doubt, your life isn't over, even though it may feel that way. But the horizon of your hopes and your future have been severely narrowed. And that's exactly where Moses found himself in today's Old Testament reading. If you open your Bibles, uh, your pew Bibles, to page 46 in Exodus chapter 3, let's take a look. Uh, at, at where Moses experienced this. And we want to back up a little bit to Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, where it says uh, that Moses had just uh, killed uh, a, uh, uh, a Hebrew. And when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now, as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, with a Pharaoh who, as far as we know, didn't have a male heir yet, Moses stood to inherit everything. Uh, he had it all. The finest education, authority and power, networks of influential people. But when he saw the suffering of his own Hebrew people, he got angry and took things into his own hands. Without doing what it says, 
in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which is a kind of a touchstone scripture. You may remember these great words in Proverbs about discerning God's direction. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you lean not unto your own understanding, if in all your ways you acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. Well, Moses had done the very opposite of what God tells us to do in that wonderful proverb when we're seeking God's direction, God's blessing. He hadn't trusted in God with his whole heart. He had taken things into his own hand rather than checking in with God. He, uh, he didn't acknowledge God in everything he did. And so Moses, in his anger, killed someone else, and within 48 hours, he lost everything. No family, no friends, no networks, no bank accounts, no property, no country, no influence, no position at all. It was a failure of catastrophic proportions. So the, the, the story goes on in verse 16 through 23. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. And when the girls returned to their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Well, the story goes on. You know, Moses gets a job with uh, uh, the father-in-law uh, and, uh, and watch his sheep. And these seven verses cover about 40 years. And, uh, and by this time, Moses is saying to himself, my privileged life in Egypt is over. All I have is the shirt on my back, an employment, a job with my father-in-law, and the only influence I have right now is over the sheep. From being a somebody who ordered thousands, I've become a nobody who orders sheep. And then we read in this, this wonderful passage, right before chapter 3 starts, four great truths about God that always set the stage for God's call to us. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God heard their cry. He remembered their misery. He saw their misery, and he came down to rescue them through his servant Moses. And that brings us right up to today's reading. At age 80, Moses goes to check out a burning bush. On a hillside. Now, some commentators that you read that look at this chapter say, look, this was such a hot place in the desert that, that bushes that were around sometimes just spontaneously combusted and, and burned. But this was a different kind of burning. This burning wouldn't stop. And so Moses did what uh, a good, you know, discerning person does. He didn't understand what this bush was, but he says, I think I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And, and, and at that bush, he finds holy ground where he encounters God himself, 
and receives a call from God that will not only change his life, but change the destiny of a nation. And then Moses does what we all do. He made every excuse possible he could think of to get out of the call. In verse 11, God, who am I that you should call me? And what's God's response? Moses, don't worry. I am with you. In chapter 3, verse 13, but God, what if they ask me a question and I can't answer? I don't have all the answers. And God's response in the very next verse, well, tell them this when they ask you who sent you. Tell them, I am who I am has sent you. Moses, don't worry. I'll give you the answers at just the right time if you trust me because you don't actually need to have the answers because you have I am who I am with you. Chapter 4, verse 1. But, but God, what if they don't respect me and listen to me or believe me? And God, so many, uh, uh, in so many words, responds in verses 2 through 9. Look, will you stop worrying about respect and not being a somebody? My power is sufficient for you and will get you the hearing that I want you to get. Chapter 4, verse 10. But God, I don't speak very well. I don't think fast on my feet. I don't have the gifts I think this call needs. Forty years ago, I might have been able to do this, but now look, all I do is speak to sheep. What if I mess it up by not speaking well? God's response. I didn't want you 40 years ago when you thought you spoke so well. I want you now. And by the way, I'll help you speak and even tell you what to do if you trust in me with your whole heart, if you lean not on your own understanding. If in all your ways you acknowledge me, I'll show you the way. And then finally in verse 13, God, there has to be somebody else you can send than me. And at that point, God gets a little testy. And he says, right, I'll give you Aaron. And that was a sweet gift, wasn't it? Because Aaron came to betray Moses later on. So as we, uh, as we look at this passage, this wonderful story of failure and redemption. Where's the good news? And I want to point out three, just three points of good news, of gospel in this message. Number one is that God communicates his will for your life and my life all the time through the burning bushes of everyday life. When Moses got up that morning, it was a day like any other day. He didn't know the rest of the story like we do. But as he was going about his daily routine, he simply noticed a bush that was on fire. And there was something different about this bush. It wouldn't stop burning. And so he went, and that's all God needed to reveal himself to Moses and give him the call that would change his life forever and the destiny of a whole nation. Every day, God demonstrates his character of total love by doing just what he did with Moses and Israel. He sees a need. He hears a cry. He feels the suffering and brokenness of somebody, and he comes with a plan of rescue, healing, and restoration, which he then shares with us through the Holy Spirit, calling us, like Moses, to step forward and meet that need. God places a hurting person or a need in front of us every day, maybe even every Sunday through the bulletin or the announcements. We hear a cry. We, we feel a need for help. And the urge to respond with a call, or a note, or a visit, it's a burning bush. 
God brings a hurting person who needs financial assistance across your path, and you just happen to have the financial needs to meet their needs. It's a burning bush. We hear about an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with someone or some people in a place where we've never been before, and we wonder if we should go there to be God's eyes, ears, hands, and heart. Every time that happens, it's a burning bush. One day, like any other day, uh, when I was a young prosecutor, I got up in the morning and, uh, and went to court to interview victims and their families for the cases that I was trying. I was uh, trained by the California Department of Justice to do sexual assault prosecutions uh, where juveniles had assaulted juveniles. And a little eight-year-old boy and his mom came in, and I took out my yellow legal pad and my pen and ready to take their statement, and all of a sudden the eight-year-old boy burst into tears. And about five seconds later, so did his mom. And I remember almost an audible voice popping into my head at that point, saying, and Phil, what will another notch on your prosecutor's gun do to heal this little boy and his mom? And that was a little burning bush. Didn't answer all of my questions. Led to a lot of other questions, including some really good ones from Julie about what I was doing with my life. And all those little bushes ended up into one big burning bush we call change of vocation from prosecutor to parish priest. And I wonder sometimes if while we're saying, God, what, what do you want me to do with my life, how many of those burning bushes we miss because we're so absorbed in our own agenda, our own interests, our own hopes and dreams, and God has to say, stop, will you, will you just stop talking and pay attention to the little burning bushes I'm putting in front of you every day, all the time. How many of those little burning bushes do we miss because we're looking for the big burning bush, the dramatic spiritual experience and leading that will floor us and leave us without any questions about where God is calling us, and all the time God is saying, if you just slow down, and open your eyes and ears to the little burning bushes. I'll show you the big one. If you just trust me with your whole heart, if you just lean on my own understanding and not your own, if you just acknowledge me in everything you do, I'll show you the way. And see, here's the second piece of good news in this story. You see, God isn't looking for your excuses. He's looking for you. God doesn't want to hear you and me say, who am I? He wants to hear us say, here I am, Lord. Send me. God doesn't want to hear you and me say, I don't have the answers. I can't speak well. I don't have the gifts. I don't think fast on my feet. There must be somebody else, Lord. Or any other excuse. When God called Moses... He already knew everything about Moses, including every strength and weakness, every flaw and failure Moses had and would ever have. And when God calls you and me, he already knows everything about us. So why do we waste God's time telling him what he already knows about us? The incredible, amazing, reckless thing about God 
is that even though he knows everything about you and me, he loves us and wants to work through us to reach others with that same amazing, incredible, reckless love of God. So when God puts a burning bush in your path, just as he did for Moses, don't come up with a list of excuses because that's not what God is looking for. You know what God's looking for? You can find it in the Old Testament too. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, where a prophet said to a king of Israel about this, about what God is looking for. He said, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's like that great marine recruiting poster, except in a biblical form. God's looking for a few good hearts. Are you one of those hearts? That's all that matters. So when God places that burning bush in your path, know this, he's looking for you, and all you need to say is, here I am, Lord, I'm ready. How soon do you need me? You know, it's just possible that our all-knowing and all-gracious God is looking for you right now, no matter what age you are, precisely because he knows that in your heart and in your life, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, at verse 9, he can make his strength perfect in your weakness because his grace is all that you need. And for many of us, that's the best news of all. In God's grace, our past and our failures may be exactly the preparation we needed for the call God planned for us so long ago, a, a call for this time and this place. And that brings us up to the last point I want to bring about the good news in this passage. And that is that God's call is always on time. God's call is always on time. Now let's you and I be honest. If you and I were headhunters for God, recruiting for the position of deliverer of Israel, would you have chosen 80-year-old Moses? Would you and I have even granted him an interview? I don't think so. Wouldn't we have interviewed and chosen 40-year-old Moses, highly educated prince of Egypt with a list of credentials, and connections that ran for pages. But God chose an 80-year-old shepherd in an obscure desert who was humble enough to hide his face in the presence of God. Forty years earlier, what would Moses' reply have been? My guess is that Moses, prince of Egypt, would have turned in his resume and said, I'm the guy you're looking for. Just check out my credentials and my connections. That should be enough for the job. But not now. Moses has no resume. His accomplishments in the last 40 years wouldn't even fill a page. By the world's standards, he's a nobody. And that's exactly what God was looking for, right? God was looking for someone like Moses. Somebody who saw himself as inadequate for the task. Someone who recognized his own limitations. Someone who was genuinely humbled and ready to rely on God rather than himself. Is it possible God waited 40 years 
so that Moses would be truly broken of self-will, self-sufficiency, and self-centeredness. Sometimes, maybe oftentimes, it takes that long to break down the stubbornness, willfulness, the lust for power and control, and the deceitfulness of our own hearts that go hand in hand with self-will and make us unfit for God's purposes. Is it possible God waited 40 years so that Moses' accomplishments in Egypt had so faded from his mind that there was no room left for pride, the very thing that God cannot work with? You see, God needed someone for the next 40 years who could do exactly what he says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 for the sake of delivering an entire nation out of Egypt through the desert through the wilderness and into the promised land. Someone who could say, Lord, I want to trust you with all my heart and not my own resume, wisdom, skill, and experience. Lord, I want to lean on your understanding, not mine. Lord, I'm ready to acknowledge you every step of the way and let you show me the way. God is saying to you and me, dear friends, just as he said to Moses, it's okay. Now you're ready to be someone whom I can use. Now your own sense of inadequacy will allow you to put aside any trust in yourself and put your trust instead in me and let my complete super-adequacy, my incredible, amazing, reckless love become the source of this ministry. Has God made you ready for his call as he did for Moses? at just the right time, at such a time as this. You know the rest of the story. At age 80, when most people are, are looking towards the finish line, this humble shepherd became the deliverer of an entire nation and experienced a season of ministry that was the richest and most powerful as he walked with such closeness with God. I just want to ask you, is there a burning bush in your life right now? A need before you, a cry for help. You hear God calling you and not your excuses at such a time as this. Or maybe you're saying, God, my ears are open, but I want to offer you my heart first. You know, we have an altar call every Sunday here at Holy Cross. It's called Holy Communion. And may I invite you, when you come forward for communion, if that's what God is saying to you, that you would take communion with the special intent that your heart would be a Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 heart. That as you receive his body and his blood, broken and shed for you, that you would allow them to clean out your heart and strengthen you for the call that God has planned for you for such a long time. For right now, for such a time as this. And if you'd like some prayer, then on your way back from communion, would you please stop at the Gethsemane Chapel and meet with the prayer team and ask them to pray for you for that burning bush and that call. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as... The fire 
that refines come as the wind that blows, come as the dew that refreshes. Convict, convert, and consecrate us until we are wholly yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.